It's Thursday on Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. Hoping you guys are having a good one out there as well. Um, good show coming up. A lot of NBA talk today. I'll get that. Um, I'll mention that right at the jump. Uh, Chris Hine joins me in a little while to talk Timberwolves. Um, big game for them tonight against Dallas. Big stretch for them. Chris wrote about that in today's Star Tribune and on StarTribune.com, but just a, a brutal stretch of their schedule. It's not like it's been super easy so far, but it's been a little less challenging so far than the rest of their slate. They go through this next stretch of, it started the other day against New Orleans, but the next 15 games, including this one against Dallas, all against teams with, with above 500 records, all a bunch of them on the road. So a, a daunting task ahead and how they will navigate that. They're off to a great start, obviously still tied for the best record in the NBA, even after losing the other day to New Orleans. How do they navigate all this? How, how will fans react to what's probably going to be an inevitable, I don't say slump, but they're going to lose a lot more games in these next 16 than they lost probably in the previous 16 when they were playing, you know, some of those softer teams, some of those easier games, a lot of home games. So that will be interesting to see. And Chris and I will get into that in a little bit. Um, Got to get got to get to something that I actually agree with the Packers on, and you probably will too. Finding common ground between Minnesota and Wisconsin not always easy to do, but I'll get to that at the end of the show. First, though, what I miss, got to start. Let's start in the NBA just because this caught my eye last night. Uh, a couple things, a couple big newsy things from the NBA. I was watching some highlights last night before bed, and I saw the end of. The Bucks Pacers game. Giannis last night went for 64 points. 64 points. Huge game for him. But all people were talking about afterwards was Giannis being upset, chasing, you know, running down the tunnel, looking for the Pacers. And we're like, what is going on? What What is this kind of like dust up scuffle? It wasn't like a fight, but it was obviously a heated exchange. Bucks players talking to Pacers players about something that's going on after the game. What's going on? And we come to find out that it's all about the game ball. It's all about who gets to keep the game ball from this game because Giannis wants it. Giannis says later it's because he wants to give it to Damian Lillard for like moving into fifth place all time on three-pointers. I'm like, no, he wants it because he scored 64 points. Just admit it. You want it because you scored 64 points. You set the Bucks franchise record for points in a game. You probably should have it. Now, the Pacers took the ball right after the game ended. You can see um, one of the Pacers, looks like one of the Pacers' assistant coaches gets at least a ball they want to give it to a player on their team because he scored his first points in the NBA, um, which I get too. So it's like it, there's this scuffle. This I don't know if it's a misunderstanding or what it is, but this big scuffle, like like shouting. It's not like punches. It's just like a lot of like yelling. A lot of you know, Giannis is mad. He's running all around. He's running down the tunnel. Things like that over a game ball. I'm just like this. You know, it, it's kind of it's petty. It's kind of wonderful. You don't even know if the Pacers. Did something intentionally if they're trying to tweak the Bucks, if they're trying to like tweak their rivals, if they really care that much that this guy gets his ball for scoring his first career points. Then you come to find out that there's two balls for every game. There's like a real ball, and then there's like the backup ball. There's two game balls you can give. So everybody gets one. Everybody's going to get a game ball anyway. Does it really matter? It's just symbolic anyway of a game, a regular season game in mid-December 
um, that that really nobody's going to remember all that much uh, two weeks from now. So it, it just kind of struck me as funny, just the, the the pettiness, the competitiveness, though, of athletes to 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 be so upset after the game about a ball, about a symbol, about a gesture. Um, you know, and Rick Carlisle, the Pacers coach, afterwards made a good point. Said this is the third time these guys have played in like the last three weeks. There's probably some competitive tensions going. There was an altercation during the game. Giannis got knocked down. Um, you know, there was technicals flying around. Like there was, it was a heated game already. So I'm sure that played into it. But man, the scuffle after the game for a game ball. I've never seen. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. And it just struck me as interesting. And it was part of a part of a charged, emotionally charged week in the NBA. Draymond Green now suspended indefinitely by the league. And this has some Timberwolves tentacles to it the most recent Draymond incident was not Wolves related he uh, he basically hit um, Yusuf Nurkic the other day in a game which is what prompted this latest indefinite suspension but you'll remember the the suspension before this in case you're losing track of Draymond's suspensions was a five-game suspension for his role in that scuffle with the Wolves and putting Rudy Gobert in a headlock about a month ago um, for which he was not terribly apologetic and that probably didn't play in his favor here so Draymond Green suspended indefinitely by the NBA tempers tensions getting hot it's only december this this league's got to pace itself a little bit right you got december january february march mid-april till the regular season is over then you got you know a month and a half two months of playoffs kind of save a little bit of this little bit of this angst a little bit of this energy you can't expend it all in december we'll see when draymond gets back the warriors are going to miss him they're in trouble right now already i think they're like 10 and 13 right now not playing well, not looking like a contender. Now, they've played a really tough schedule. Their schedule gets easier in contrast to the Wolves, as we'll talk about here in just a minute. But I don't know. I just It just struck me that those two stories from the NBA last night were interesting to me. And just fighting about a ball. Just get get over it. I, I, like, the, I, like, the, I like the spirit in general, but you don't got to get into a scuffle about a ball. Everybody's going to have a ball. Everybody can just remember the night. It, just remember the night you scored 64 points. You don't need all this stuff. I'm sure he's, he got his ball anyway. Just take your ball and go home. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. I've got Chris Hine with me today. He is in Dallas. Timberwolves play the Mavericks Thursday night. Big game, good game. Uh, One of many, Chris, uh, in the next month that will kind of test and show us where the Wolves are. We, we, we know they're a good team. They have the, they're tied for the best record in the NBA right now, 17 and five, but just kind of looking down the, down the row of all these games, it's, it's going to be a stretch that will not say define the season. Cause there's a lot of season left, but it'll, it'll kind of give them a little bit of a, more of a, of a, a glimpse of, okay, here's how we stack up against some of the other best teams in the league. Yeah, kind of looking over, we were just doing it before we got on the air, looking over the kind of the rest of the schedule. I don't know that they're going to have another stretch like this the rest of the season. It, it is their most difficult uh, stretch, especially when you consider 
Um, the, the fact that most of these games are on the road too, or not yeah. at home. So, you know, there, there might be some tired legs on some nights um, and they're playing some really good opponents. Uh, New Orleans was back at full strength the other night. Uh, you know, the, the Wolves beat them twice, but in neither matchup, Zion Williamson nor CJ McCollum played and New Orleans was back at full strength and they beat the Wolves uh, in New Orleans. Um, now you're gonna have, you're gonna have Dallas coming up here twice. What's fortunate for the Wolves is that it appears as if Kyrie Irving probably won't be available for that matchup. Um, you know, latest reports were saying that he was on crutches and in a walking boot yeah. with a, with a foot injury. So it looks, looks improbable. I would say as of recording that he's going to play, um, on Thursday night. Um, but yeah, after that, you got a, you got a couple couple games with the Lakers you've got Orlando which is kind of one of the surprises in the Eastern Conference this year on the road Boston Houston um, Sacramento Oklahoma City and all these games are on the road by the way against these teams or or the Lakers are at home but the rest are on the road Um, so yeah this is this is not easy and I kind of wonder like you know confidence and momentum are are you know we like to think that they're not real things, but in some in some ways they are. Um, you wonder the Wolves have built up such confidence. Can they maintain that through this stretch? Yeah. When they when they're not winning every night, um, the way that they have been. And B, I wonder. I want just wonder about the fan base too. Where I'm like, I can picture somebody saying, "Oh, the, the Timberwolves are 17 and five. Let me let me tune in and see what this is all about." And then they face a good team on the road and they might be tired. And, and all of a sudden they, they, they lay a, a stinker and, you know, is, are, are the fans going to gonna be along for this ride as well and kind of realize that if they could just kind of navigate this stretch, like playing 500 ball, they've built up enough of a cushion that on the other end of it, they'd still be like 12 games over 500 or something like that. Um, once they hit like January 12th. So I'm curious to see how the fans will react to maybe the most bumpy part of the schedule. Well, yeah, because I mean, so far this year, I mean, aside from some injuries, Anthony Edwards, we don't know for sure if he'll play Thursday night. He's been kind of in and out with that hip injury. He's missed mm-hmm. a few games. They've had Jaden McDaniels missing for a decent part of this season for two different reasons, but he is back now. He played Monday, but you know, aside from some some of those injury concerns, it's been about as smooth and as charmed of a start as possible, right? They, you know, they got some, they caught some teams at good times. You mentioned, you know, New Orleans a couple times without, without their best players. They got to play. Um, they had the Warriors one night when they weren't at full strength. They had, you know, some other Italy without Embiid. Yeah. yeah. And then they played some other teams that are, you know, they got Memphis twice before John Morant was back. They played some other kind of softer teams earlier in the year, San Antonio, Charlotte. And they're, and, you know, to their credit, they're taking, they're taking care of business in those games, which they weren't doing last year. They are, I think, still undefeated against the really, really bad teams this season, which is, of course, a market improvement from being six and 10 against the worst teams, <laughs> which they were last year. But it, it's been a pretty charmed existence so far. So I think you're right. It is. This stretch will will be a different kind of different kind of test. Can people resist the urge to freak out if they go seven and nine or six and ten against these really good teams if they're not at full strength and a lot of them are on the road, which is possible, and they can still have a very good season after that. Yeah, and, and the other thing too is 
they haven't even lost consecutive games yet this season. Yeah. Like they haven't experienced a two game losing streak. That's probably going to happen over this next stretch of games. It's just yeah. the nature of the NBA. Um, but I will say that even without, even without Ant, um, you know, we'll see when he gets back They're The way that they play defense will give them a shot pretty much any night on this, on this schedule. Now, you know, they, they might not come out on the other end of it. Um, you know, the other night against New Orleans, they, you know, they were complaining about the free throw disparity and obviously with the physical way they play defense, anytime the game gets called uh, very ticky tacky, it's not going to favor the Wolves. Um, but in general, with how they play defense, with Rudy Gobert playing as well as he is, with Jaden McDaniels being back in the fold now, um, that's going to give him a shot against pretty much any team. There's going to be very few nights, if any, where they're going to get blown out of the gym, I feel like. Um, that's just not going to happen. Now, will they have enough offense, especially without Ant, to score enough? That's another That's another question. Um, obviously, they need Carl to step up, and he was limited the other night um, after the first quarter. And, you know, I think they have enough offensive firepower, especially if – if like Jaden, you know, can step up in Ant's absence, um, but getting Ant back on the floor, even if Ant's not a hundred percent, just to draw the defense's attention to him, um, I think would be would be huge for this stretch. We were a little, you know, coming into the season, I think we felt pretty good about the depth of this team, and then they had a couple little things happen, and you know, maybe some of their ninth and tenth men didn't play great initially, but they're getting some good minutes now certainly from you know Troy Brown um from you know Shake Milton had a better game the other night and certainly Nikhil Alexander Walker has had a very good season so far you know pretty consistent they have to feel pretty good about you know even when one or two guys are out especially wings that they can kind of compensate at least in the short term it, it, it i think that's one of the strengths that they've had is that they have a, a good amount of depth um, to go with their high-end talent and Troy Brown, I think especially uh, the you know the other night wasn't his best night, but but overall this last couple of weeks here, Troy Brown has been really important for them. Um, you know, has earned the start a couple times. Nikhil has been really important for them as well, uh, with Jaden being out, kind of guarding that that best perimeter player for the opponent. Um, so those two guys in particular, I think, have been have been really important. Um, you know, I think the, the good start has kind of bought them time on the on the Shake Milton uh, yeah. experiment, and and you know, at least he's not costing them games um, to where maybe he can work through whatever he's working through comfortability with the offense, kind of whatever whatever it is he might be working through. Um, they've at least bought some time for that. And like you said, the other night, the last couple of games have been better for him. Um, so we'll see if he's maybe rounding into, into form here. Um, but that's one of the, that's one of the strengths that they have. And, and one of the things that's, you know, probably going to have to go away in future years, once they run up against some of the salary cap stuff um, is right now, at least they, they are able to afford a deep team, right? You know, the, the, the the younger players and the rookies on this on this roster are not going to really sniff playing time if everybody's healthy. Yeah. And it's because they have very good options up and down the bench, one through nine, one through ten. Um and, and you throw in Jordan McLaughlin there as well. Um so it's like one through eleven. 
you know, kind of, kind of these decent options that Chris Finch can go to with guys who have had ex- at least some level of experience in the NBA uh, playing, playing major minutes like that. So the depth has really carried them uh, and really helped them on, on some of these nights when they haven't had their best ball, when Ant's been out, when Jaden's been out, it's really helped them weather the storm and, and kind of make sure they took care of business against some of these, some of these lesser teams. You talked about defense. That's been their calling card all year, really, and what they said they wanted their identity to be. Um, Gobert has been in the middle of all of that. He's been terrific this year. I mean, have you gotten a sense for, like, is there is there one thing they're pointing to that says that this is why Rudy is so much better this year than he was a year ago? I think I think it's a combination of of everything that's gone into the, the acquisition. I think obviously it starts with how he's feeling. Yeah, it always felt like last year he was dealing with some sort of some sort of soreness or, or whatever that was that was bugging him. Uh, comfortability here in Minnesota, designing the scheme around him, the, the players that are playing the scheme around him, um, his comfortability with you know, kind of moving around a lot more along the perimeter than he used to in Utah is going to be huge. I think for them uh, come playoff time, the fact that he is and has been adaptable to, to moving around the perimeter more and guarding out there instead of just kind of manning the basket, the, the way he might have in Utah has been, has been really huge for this defense's evolution. So I, th- and, and yeah, on the other end of the floor too, I, I just think it's, you know, Mike Conley said this. It took time for him in Utah to first adjust to, to Rudy Gobert, and I think you've seen that play out here in Minnesota as well. And getting Mike Conley in here was a significant part of that as well on, on that end of the floor. So it's a little bit of everything uh, that has gone into the, the Rudy Gobert revitalization here in, in year two. Gobert aside, I mean, the, the Gobert-Carl Anthony Towns pairing got a lot of discussion last season throw Naz Reed into that mix kind of those three bigs who take up most of the the four and five minutes you would think about that think about just the overall fit and how every how everybody fits together at this point where, where do you think that's grown and where do you feel like there's still room for them to to maximize more good question um you know, on the defensive end, I think it's worked about as well as you could hope. Um, and I think that's what everybody was kind of wondering on that end of the floor was, would Cat be able to guard the four? And the answer has been yes, but that has not been a problem. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's played well on the defensive end of the floor. The team has played well overall. And if you look at if you kind of look at the starting five, right, Um you look at you look at what they would throw out theoretically for thirty plus minutes a night in a playoff series. Carl is quote unquote the weakest defender of of that bunch. I think you might say, yeah, you know, you Conley, Edwards, Jaden, Rudy, Carl, and that's not a bad place. That's not a knock on Carl, by the way. That's yeah. not a bad place to be for this team defensively. If if Carl who has shown the ability to to guard pretty decently well along the perimeter in his career, if he's your quote-unquote weakest defender. Uh, because you have Jaden who can guard 
guards to taller forwards. You have Ant that could be a good, really good on-ball defender as well. And Mike Conley is an upgrade from what D'Angelo Russell was on that end of the floor. Um, so when when that's your situation, I feel like that's a really good place to be as a defense. Um, on the offensive end of the floor, I think Carl has gotten a little better. I think you could see it early on last year. Like Carl was definitely trying to force Rudy into the offense. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, ultimately, while it looked awkward at first, it, it at least, you know, kind of showed that Carl was trying to make this work, that he was committed to to making it work on that end of the floor instead of saying, oh, well, screw this. I'm just going to do what I normally do anyway. Yeah which is one way it could have gone. And I think the, the chemistry overall has looked more seamless and, and a little easier this year than it has a, a season ago. I even think Ant's getting, getting better each day at using utilizing Rudy on that end of the floor when, when he's been in there. Um, so, so I think the kind of that triangle, I don't, I don't even view it as like a, Carl Rudy problem on the offensive end of the floor. You have to, I think you have to incorporate Ant into all that. And it's like, how do Carl Rudy and Ant all coexist uh, on the offensive end of the floor? And I think that process has been a little better this year as well. They seem to be more in sync. It's less awkward out there and they're utilizing Rudy more naturally in the flow of the offense. From a usage standpoint and from many, many other standpoints. It seems like Conley is been just the, the perfect fit, the right fit for what they want to do. They, they need a point guard who can distribute, calm things down, but can also hit shots, can, you know, is kind of that, bring some of that savvy and that kind of control. Like, e- even all that said, even knowing what Conley has been and what he could bring, uh, he, he's just he's just better than I think anybody could have imagined at this point, right? Like they, they didn't quite know it, what they were getting fully when they made that trade last year. They had an idea because you had kind of what was going on in Utah and the track record with him and Rudy. Um, but like you said, I think it's just a perfect fit from a, from a usage standpoint, from an attitude standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. Um, you, you can't really underestimate what he's meant at, you know, Chris Finch got and not ticked off, but you know, he had, he had another question after the, after one of the recent home games where somebody just kind of asked him to reemphasize the importance of Mike Conley. And then he's like, I don't know how to say it. He's pretty GD important. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He's like, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Um, and I think in terms of helping Rudy get into the, get into the offense in terms of getting the Wolves into their late-game offense, kind of yeah. taking the reins in those situations and and taking over. You know, I, I, we did a story last week, and I just kind of compared their their numbers in clutch time from last season to this one. And, you know, they, they moved up like 16 spots in clutch, uh, yeah. clutch rating offensive efficiency from a year ago, which is a huge jump. And a lot of that is Mike Conley and just helping them initiate the offense. Some of it is Ant also, I think, in some of these games, making the right plays, making the right reads. Um, That's been really important as well in those situations. But Mike kind of getting things going helps Ant and Carl get the ball in better positions than they otherwise might have in, in the past. 
are we a couple more things for you, Chris? Um, are we ready to recalibrate their ceiling yet? I mean, I think the start of the year we're talking, okay, this could, this is a team that, you know, if things go right, they could be a top four team in the West, but really how do they stack up in the playoffs when everybody is, you know, shortening their benches and everybody is presumably like healthy. There's no back to backs, things like that. Or do we have a different notion of, of what the ceiling for this team is yet? Do you want me to say that they're going to win the title? Is that what no, you, no, no? I, I don't. Want? I don't think that's. The, I don't know if that. I don't even know if that's the ceiling. I just. I just wonder if yeah. like have we have we seen enough from them yet to say okay, this is not just like a nice team or a good team, but this is a team that like you look at it the right way. If everybody's healthy, like this is a team that could that could at least make a playoff run. That could go to yeah, a, con- I, I, a conference I, I finals or something like I that. Abs- I absolutely think so. Um, the way that they've played defense uh, makes me believe that. And the offense has been, I think, good to good enough so far yeah. um, when everybody's healthy. And if there's one thing that has been, has proven true under Chris Finch, it's that the offense will get better as the season goes along. That that has happened each of the each of the last two seasons. Um, they will get better on that end of the floor. Um, so I think that the offense will continue to improve. They could get that. If you can have a top ten offense and a number one or two ranked defense, like yeah, that's a pretty good formula for for a deep playoff run. Um, and that's I think that's where they're headed um, right now. And the other reason why I think they can make a deep playoff run is I really do think they are the best team to match up against Denver in a playoff series yeah. right now. As if everybody's constructed, healthy, yeah. if everybody's healthy, I do think that they are the best matchup. And if that's the team you got to go through to win the West or, you know, if that's the, if that's the three, two matchup in the second yeah. round, yeah. you know, or the four, one, whatever it may be. Um, I, I don't think the wolves would be scared going into that series. I don't think they, that both playoffs series last year would help them. You know, if they have Nas Reed and Jaden McDaniels available for a playoff series it would make a huge difference. And I think they'd have the confidence of, of thinking that they could hang with those guys and, and potentially beat them because they have the personnel that that might give them some trouble the way other teams just can't because they don't have the size the size to do it. It does feel you know the Wolves have been in the playoffs the last couple of years, but their ascent so far and let let's see you know let's see how these next fifteen games go and then beyond that. But their their rise teams like Orlando, Oklahoma City, Houston like. The arrival, and the Wolves are in a different conversation. They're more a veteran team. But the arrival of some of these young teams this year, it feels like it's a little upside down right now. And the league is a little bit more uh, wide open, maybe, in terms of just who's it's good at flat. This. Yeah, the, yeah. The, league, the league has never been flatter, I feel like. That's a good way to put it. borrow the Thomas Friedman uh, saying or whatever that was, um, the, the, the league has never been more, more flat than it is now, I feel like, where it's like, I feel like there's not a lot of gimme games, like you were saying. Um, and it's like at the top end of it, it's like, well, who's really the elite teams? And like, you know, it doesn't feel like the, the era of chasing like one or two absolute surefire title contenders the way it was for the longest time when, you know, LeBron uh, was like in Cleveland. And so they were the team to beat in the East. The Warriors were the team to beat in the West. Like, like that time is, is gone. And, and I really do feel like it, it is a time where a team can pop up, go on a run, 
and just surprise everybody. You know, and, yeah. and I, I really feel like we're, and that's, I think that's good for the league overall. When, when you have a team like Minnesota that can get it together like this and you look around the league and it's like, well, who's really in our way here? Who, is there a super team that's in our way that we have to contend with? And the answer is not really, um, you know, Boston seems to be the best team in the East, but that's a champagne problem to have. If you're talking about matching up with them in the NBA finals, right? Yes. Um, you know, so yeah, it's a. I feel like there's never been as much parity top to bottom, or at least one through uh, one through at least in the Western Conference, one through like eleven or yeah. twelve in the yeah. Western Conference right now. Like, there's going to be some teams that that miss the playoffs this year, or that get ejected in the play-in tournament, where you're like, man, that team's actually pretty good. Yeah, um, but the season just doesn't break their way for, for one reason or another, like Memphis is going through that right now. Um, but like, there's going to be some other teams that get left out on the other end of this. So you're going to be like, man, that team didn't make the playoffs. Like, you know, I think you're going to, you're going to see that because it's just, I think there's just a decent amount of depth in the, in the league and especially in the West right now. Does that diminish last thing? Does that diminish the importance of the regular season or finishing a certain seed like top four do you just have to be top six to get out of that play in like what do you think they should like what how do you think they should like, like affix their their goals right now oh uh, I, th- I think when you when you haven't really been there before the higher seed that you can get the the better the, the more home court advantage you can secure for yourself the which better has been, which has been important which for is, them this year they've been, been a really important. good home court yeah team. they've been really good they've been really good at home um, so I, I don't think it diminishes the value of the, of the regular season um, at all. I think if anything, bec- you know, you want to have those matchups at home because that just gives you a bit of an edge in these, in these series that could otherwise be very close. You know, a 3-6 matchup, you know, could be very close, or a 2-7 could even be really close, right? If, if the depth is, is there. So you want to be on the, you want to be on the upper, on the upper end of that. Um, so I, but, but I also think like if you suffer through a a slide and you end up, if the wolves end up, you know, as like the five or the six or whatever it is, you shouldn't be discouraged by that as either. Like, you know, it's not the end of the world if that happens, because I do think once we get into the playoffs, a lot of it is going to be very matchup dependent. Uh, I mean, Hey, the Lakers made a run to the Western finals and they were the seventh seed last year. So, you know, Anything can really anything can really happen, um, especially when it is as flat as it is. And I will renew my plea right now. I don't think uh, I don't think Adam Silver, anybody's listening right now, but across all these leagues that play so many games, NHL, NBA, I feel like because the importance of home ice, home court, whatever, has been diminished a little bit now, where it's only like fifty five percent home team wins as opposed to before when travel was so hard and things like that. Give the higher seeds, especially in these first rounds, give them more home games. Let's go to a two, five. two, 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 three. Yeah, two, two, three format. Well, if the two wolves home, become, two away, if, three home. If the wolves end up as like the one or two seed, my Marriott account and Delta Miles accounts will not like that. So I'm I sorry. like the. Uh, I, I know you don't, but I like the. I'd rather them play three road games instead of. I know you would. I know, but that's very, that's very, that's very selfish. I think, I think there should be, I would just, I think there should be more reward than one extra home game for being better over the course of 82 games. That's what I think. Um, yeah, I don't, 
I don't disagree, especially like in the first round. In, this, in the first round, in the yeah. first round, I wouldn't go beyond yeah. that. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, well, if um, Adam Silver's listening, I think he's a big fan of this podcast, especially our segments. But what did you? Uh, yeah, exactly. What did you think of the in-season uh, tournament? I thought it was it okay. Out? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was. I thought it was weird that like just how you qualify was kind of weird with like the point differentials and stuff. Like the Wolves were yeah, three and one. You. Yeah, the Wolves were three and one, but they didn't really they, they didn't get in. They, it wasn't really much of a much of a chance after they lost to Sacramento, the way everything broke down. Um, but, you know, it, it created a little bit of buzz at a time when usually college football and the NFL are kind of dominating everything. So they kind of, they probably got what they wanted out of it. I, I, I didn't mind it. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I, I'm, I'm with you where it was like, really all these teams that went three and one don't have a crack yeah. at this. Like, I feel like, I think I heard somebody the other day, um, uh, you know, throw out like an idea is like blanking on who it was so my apologies to them like instead of having like the was it eight groups or whatever it was yeah. or, or like just consolidating the number of groups yeah uh, or from six groups to like five groups or four groups or, or something like that play a couple more games in each group yeah like maybe one or two more games and that yeah. way you can kind of weed out you know you have more teams that you know, finish with like a, if you play six group games, like four and two probably doesn't get you in, but does five and one get you in? Probably. Yeah, right. You know, it seems a little, a little fair and adjust, like adjust the tiebreakers too. like, yeah, try, try to come up with, try to come up with some other system besides margin of victory for, yeah. for the tiebreakers. And I'm not sure what that would be. I mean, when, I think if the NBA inevitably expands, I, I really do think they should just go to a 32 team, just straight up. Yep. You know, do do a seating special or something like that. You play, yeah. You know, you play you play fifteen games or something like that, and you you seed the teams based on like strength of schedule and all that crap through the first fifteen games. Yeah. You know, and then you can seed them, and then it's one through thirty-two, um, and you just do a straight. I think that would be much more much easier to follow and much more, I think, exciting. You know, to just have a straight up thirty-two team tournament in the regular season that, that would be fun at least i think i agree and i think they were smart to do it where almost all the games counted as regular season games i think you i don't think you can 100 no i don't no, think you, you can make them play a whole bunch you can't, of extra you can't games. make them play you can't make them play exhibition games that don't matter no, like no. the fact that these that these games still counted for the record was was i think a very important part of this and yep. making this work I agree. I think they can they can improve on. It. I think they should give it a better name than in season tournament, but I'm sure they'll figure that out at some point too. Yeah, it's I, here to stay. The television ratings will tell you that it's yeah, that it's here to stay. It is here too. to stay. They like they like money. Stay. They like being in Vegas. They like all those things. And yep. uh, mm-hmm. it's good. To, it's a good audition for when there's a expansion team in Vegas. That's for sure. Yep. All right, Chris. Appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll see how things go Thursday night, and uh, we'll talk to you later. See you later. Good stuff from Chris, as always. And, you know, he made a good point early on. I'll be, I'll be watching not just the Wolves in the stretch, but how the national media, how fans react to how they fare during these, you know, next 15 games. They've already lost that one against New Orleans. They're probably going to have a losing streak somewhere in here. It could even be tonight if they lose to Dallas. That's not going to be an easy game, even with Kyrie almost certainly out for that game. But, I, I just I, I wonder what the, how the narrative will change because like I said everything almost everything has gone right for this team so far I mean Ant's got the minor injury Jaden's missed Jaden McDaniels has missed some time but you know in terms of on the court in terms of who they've dodged in terms of how they've played it's gone about as well as you could expect this year and there's going to be some bumps along the way how will people respond 
you know, internally and externally to a little adversity this season. Uh, let us finish with the cooler. Like I teased at the beginning, there is a movement afoot that Vikings fans and Packers fans might unite on. Um, I was reading the ESPN story from NFL owners meetings down in Texas, and most of it's about people griping about officiating, which is a problem as old as time. You know, do they need full-time officials? Can these guys get it right? Can they stop calling? Can they stop missing all these big calls, things like that? It's just all magnified these days. The games mean more. Uh, we see everything in triple slow motion. Like We see everything from 18 angles while these guys are, you know, running as fast as they can to get in position to watch it once live in a game that's moving faster than ever. So, you know, it, it it's, it's no wonder that things get missed. I don't know if you're ever going to solve officiating. It probably is going to get worse before it gets better. My, I was more interested at the end of the story. There's a bunch of different like bullet points, nuggets of things they've talked about. The very last one, I will read it verbatim. It says, the NFL is discussing the merits of a fumble through the end zone resulting in a touchback for the defense. Packers president Mark Murphy called the rule, quote, too punitive. Changes to the current rule could come in the offseason. Thank you. Let's get behind this. This is a rule that almost everybody agrees is bad, that if you fumble on offense through the end zone, even if it just hits the pylon, as I believe happened with Justin Jefferson earlier this season. It was like right right by the end zone against the Eagles. Justin Jefferson fumbled. It ends up being a touchback for the defense. It's basically like they recovered it in the end zone, even if there was basically zero chance of recovery. It's a, it's a bad rule. It's a rule that is overly punitive. Basically, it's like a free turnover. It's just saying it's not treating it like a fumble out of bounds. It's treating it like the defense recovered the fumble in the end zone. There's got to be some kind of common ground here, some kind of common sense rule to replace that rule, because I agree with Packers president Mark Murphy that it is too punitive. Let's all get behind this. Hope the NFL changes this rule in the off season. That'll do it for me today. No off-season for me. More show tomorrow. Marcus Fuller from the Star Tribune will join me to talk Gophers basketball, to talk college basketball at large. We'll probably talk, uh, probably talk some Timberwolves off of that game tonight and some Vikings news probably coming today. We'll learn the backup quarterback and some other stuff heading into that earlier game this week. Remember, it's a Saturday game for the Vikings at the Bengals. Until then, I am Michael Rand. Have a great rest of your warm Thursday. Get outside and get outside and enjoy it. Until then, till tomorrow. We'll see you later.